Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show 471 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice that's going on out there. You can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events and updates. And I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and I'm the founder of BizJuicer an employee engagement and workplace culture consultancy that helps companies retain more of their great people and tries to make it easier for them to attract fabulous new talent too. Now, the post-pandemic working world has thrown many a curveball at the topic of employee engagement. A familiar theme of disconnection and even isolation has been seen around the world as businesses and the people that power them tackle how to keep teams together in a landscape of increased remote or hybrid working. In some senses, our use of communication and productivity technology has moved forward leaps and bounds. Someone said 10 years in the last three. It's made the world smaller, and it's now simpler than ever to have a virtual face-to-face chat with someone on the other side of the world. Yet, still many organizations are battling to create and maintain connection and a sense of belonging and togetherness in a more dispersed team environment. Plenty of organizations are managing to win this war, though. And there are other ways that technology can help us create a greater sense of team and help foster that collegiate culture many are striving for. And today, my guest is Scott Novis, who spent decades as a video games exec been a VP at Disney and is now the founder of Game Truck, which has taken video games to kids' parties for years and is now helping businesses with remote teams increase engagement by hosting fun workshops that improve culture and team health through the use of video games. Now, look, as an ex-gamer and now very occasional player myself, I am fascinated to find out more about this and the results that they're seeing. Welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me here. Super to have you here, mate. Um, Personally, really excited to hear all about how you're using video games to build stronger and healthier teams and cultures and the whole engagement stuff. But before we get into all of that, maybe you could just do us a little favor and tell us a little bit more about you and your background and some of the things that you're sort of focused on right now. Well, my, my background, um, like, thank you, you touched on some of it. I have two engineering degrees. Um, I'm named on 11 patents. So I'm like uh, an innovation guy. Um, I love, like, your mission of, like, you know, there's better ways to work. In fact, the way I think of it is working better together. Um, and what I've been doing is looking at, you know, video games are fascinating because they're storytelling in the second person. It's really a lot of applied psychology. We're creating an experience for you. I have to hand you the controller. I have to give you control of the experience. But I still want to ensure that you're having a great experience. And so I've been spending a lot of time, like, using that background and knowledge and experience going, how can we apply this at work? 
how can we apply this in remote and hybrid teams? Like, what are the lessons we know from creating engaging experiences that could help, you know, business owners and bosses? And how do we make our environments better so people feel more rewarded? Because I think the the Gallup uh, polls came out recently. Um, you know, they're always doing their employee engagement survey. But one of the critical things for employee well-being is actually well-being at work. It really matters um, that people feel that their career and the, the environment they're working in is healthy and challenging for them. And so I've been like, just like, okay, we know how to create these kinds of experiences. How can we translate that to teams of adults? That's great. I mean, we've recently done a big sort of post-pandemic poll um, with the help of Nottingham Trent University and some partners. And you're 100% right. You know, those businesses that have managed to uh, keep hold of and engage far more of their people, um, you know, really are in thinking about this uh, wellness, this health, as well as all the other bits and pieces around communication. Um, and it, it really does make a difference. It really does matter. Um, before, well, let's kick off into it. Let's take a little step back, though. When you're using and you're thinking about the video game experience and we're talking about applying this to employee engagement, what's, what's the problem that you're trying to solve here, Scott? What, what is it that you've seen happen that you believe video games can, can help oh. solve? No, that, uh, great question. So first, one of the things that will help your audience sort of track with what we're talking about is that there are many, many kinds of video games. They're probably thinking, especially if they don't play games, the ones they've heard in the media or some negative stories, the big titles, the Call of Duties, or maybe they've heard of League of Legends. Or I'm not talking about those kinds of games. There's a very, very specific kind of game that has become very popular in the last half decade, and they're cooperative games, not competitive games. And so these are games that are designed for groups of people to come together and work and collaborate to achieve a common goal. Sound familiar? Like maybe something you want to achieve in your business? So mm -hmm. if we take a piece of software that's designed to do that, well, what problem are we trying to solve at work? And what did we see that happened after the pandemic? The, the, the natural office environment has some very cool features about it that facilitate building connection and relationships. Think about the water cooler. Think about, I know that a lot of people, you know, get the, the negativity of like the cubicle farm. But when you've got people passing in hallways and you've got people in the same spaces, they're like marbles in a jar. They bump up to each other and they rub against each other and they exchange information and they communicate. And so from my point of view, I want to understand what is it that helps people make friends? How do we form connections? How do we form culture? And there's three things that you want to have. And one of the key ones is, well, one, synchronized activities. Like, it goes back to how do we make friends at school? Well, one, you're lumped with a bunch of people going through the same experience at the same time you are. You're great. Two, there's a lot of, you know, downtime. That leads to unstructured, unplanned conversations. We start exchanging hmm. information because we're waiting to go here, we're waiting to go there. But the last one is, we have this shared common experience that we can begin to form an identity around. And so this is why so many schools have that team spirit and team identity and rivalry and everything else that we're forming this group connection, a socialization. Well, we used to get some of that in the office space, but now when you've gone online, what has happened? Well, we only meet when we have something to talk about and it's always work and then we get off the line. 
It's become yeah. highly transactional. And because it's become so transactional, many companies are turning their remote teams into Upwork and Fiverr employees. Right? right. Well, I'll just yeah. do this transaction for another company. Where's the bonding? Where's the connection? Yeah. So what the video game allows us to do is bring people into a shared virtual environment with a common goal and stay in that environment and communicate. They have to talk to each other. They have to work together. And what's beautiful about these types of games is that there's no one right answer. It's like a lot of work. You're actually going to have to negotiate who's going to do what and how. And how are you going to improve performance? Well, you're going to actually have to have conversations about what help people need. And what we're doing with these games is we're stressing two key psychological levers that have always stressed teams out, urgency and uncertainty. Nice. So when people feel like, I have to get it done, but this is new to me and I'm not sure how to do it, it really um, – the Google had done a ton of work on this with their Project Aristotle and Harvard professor Amy Edmondson pulled out that four things happen. It's called impression management is to manage the stress of urgency and uncertainty, well, you don't want to look stupid, so don't ask any questions. Boy, you don't want to look incompetent, so don't be caught making a mistake. You don't want to be nosy or be a busybody, so don't make any suggestions or ideas. And you don't want to be perceived as negative, so don't critique the status quo. These are effective strategies, except they come at a high price. They cut yeah. us off from learning. And if we can't learn we become rigid and brittle. And so now what you find are teams fragment and fracture much sooner, and we lose our connections with other people. So by bringing people into a game environment, we make it safe to fail. And making it safe to fail, we make it safe to learn. And what we want to do is give people the opportunity to practice the skills that will help them in a team environment create psychological safety and more effective communication. So we're dealing with a lot of trust stuff here then, ultimately. It, ultimately, we're teaching with how to build trust in a healthy, non-manipulative way. And I'm, I, I'm sitting here thinking, listening to you, and I find it fascinating, and, and also thinking about, I guess, the changing um, workforce in the, the generational shift that we're coming through. I would imagine that perhaps use of video games um, – and maybe even phone technology and what have you, the fact that the, the guys coming through now are, are far more predisposed to this stuff, and that this is very timely, <laughs> what, what you're doing with video games, oh. right? Yeah, I, I, news for your audience. There is a wave of people coming at you that I hope you're prepared to handle because Sherry Turkle has written about this at great length. Uh, her first book was Alone Together. Her latest one was Trying to Reclaim Conversation, you're seeing this in patterns globally of 12-year-olds that now play like 8-year-olds, low emotional intelligence, low empathy, um, aversion to conversation. Um, what they're comfortable with are mediated exchanges, devices. Um, they're, they're being trained and inculcated into an environment of, wait, let me put out the perfect message so people can like what I'm doing. Hmm. But you're probably of a similar generation to I am where how do you work problems out together? How do you communicate yeah. when you don't know the answer and you can't show up perfectly? And urgency and uncertainty stress, the, they run in the opposite direction, the need to learn from being perceived as being popular and perfect. 
And so we're constantly trying to find ways to improve human interaction, human connection, um, because those bonds are really powerful, and they lead to healthier outcomes. They lead to more to better human well-being is when people feel like they've got a friend at work uh, as opposed to an audience they have to maintain a rating with. That sense of connection and belonging again that comes back to there. Um, so we've got a new sort of generation coming through who are perhaps more predisposed to this. But, I mean, I would imagine that your, your work has to cope with all the generations right, within a workforce. And I guess sometimes play can be seen as something frivolous right so so how how does that oh, video game sure. thing work with a, with a different sort of audience <laughs> well one of the advantages no you're you're spot on right there's there can definitely be a um play can be seen as running counter to professionalism um but what is one of the words we use all the time at work we're like we want passion yeah. well we're now we're bringing emotion back into work so what is play if not applied or unleashed passion and one of the things that I like about uh, video games in particular is that the cognitive load is so high, you can't fake it. You get authenticity for free. People can only play as themselves. So mm. video games become a safer way for people to experiment and exposed to the idea that, you know, we're still struggling with vulnerability. Um, that's still viewed as a bad thing. But once you begin to understand that knowledge work, innovation, creativity are the key attributes we need for a knowledge workforce, then play becomes the tool that we use to develop those feelings and skills together. And that's why you've got to have this idea of safety. You talked about the trust. I have to make it safe for you to learn and experiment. You have to make it safe for me. We're each holding that rope for each other. And so what I have found is cooperative and collaborative games let us practice those skills. And they're the exact opposite of competition. Competition does not make it safe for people to be open and vulnerable and learn. Competition right. is dangerous and scary, yeah. right? Like, I have to perform. And so the stress becomes worse. We're talking about going in the other direction, the direction of what I think of as like Pixar. It's like Amy Edmondson had four models for companies, and I, I loved them. It was the um, – you think of these as like emojis, the angry face, Right. Well, yeah. it's the miserable people doing a miserable job that the customers hate. It'd be easy to pick on the Department of Motor Vehicles. How about like uh, Spirit Airlines, one of those discount travel companies? You don't want to go on them. They don't want you there. You're like, let's get this miserable thing over with. <laughs> Most of us have experience with the mediocre companies. So think of somebody with, you know, no smile. They're just kind of there. Virtually every bank or cell phone company you've ever walked into, they're like, hey, I can't really help you. You know I can't really help you. So let's be nice to each other while we do this miserable thing that the computers control. <laughs> that is that mediocre middle, right? Yeah. What a lot of companies get lost on is the talent-driven company. So if you look at whether it's uh, – I'm going to call it soccer, you call it football, but whether you look at professional sports at any level – you think, wow, they're so high-performing. Look at the turnover, the roster turnover year to year. It's this relentless pursuit of getting the best players. And then look at the relationships of those players. Now you're looking at somebody that is just almost angry 
in terms of what, instead of they've gone from unhappiness to mediocre to like angry face. And yeah. you think of companies like Enron. That was the prototypical uh, talent-driven culture, and look what happened to them. Yeah, disaster. Uh, most companies could not tolerate the 30% turnover that happens every year on most professional teams. So what's left? Where do you go? The happy face. To me, that was Pixar. People who love what they do, they love who they work with, and they produce work that their clients cherish. And there's no original IP company in the world that has had more success that I'm aware of than Pixar. And in terms of just how many number one original hits they crank out. And I've been very privileged. I got to work with Pixar on the Cars video game. And so we got to see what that culture looks like. And yeah. how do you create a culture like that? And those are the elements that we're trying to bring some of that. And that's what Google was after. That's what a lot of companies are after is that amazing environment, amazing culture that produces work that clients cherish. Who doesn't want that? And but we all, that's we all the want space that, we're we? trying to move into. That's amazing. So, I mean, when you're – Look, I'm interested in games, right? So I know there's a lot of psychology and all this kind of stuff involved. And you talk about um, co-op games particularly uh, being of interest for in, in this space. So how does it work, Scott? What, what are you doing? What are, what are they playing? Um, and and is, it, is it bespoke for, for companies? Is it, is it a, a bank of games you, you, you have that you're pulling off the shelf? How, how does it all work? Okay, great question. So there's a couple of ways we do it. First of all, you can get uh, a game I highly recommend everybody is called Overcooked. But there's a range of these games, Tools Up, Moving Out. Um, I like those games because I do want to go back to the non-gamers. We want to pick a topic that is intuitively relatable to people. Like people can understand making food. Um, they can understand moving in and out of an apartment or a house. And they can understand remodeling. They're all very mm. familiar. We're not trying to do something esoteric and weird. And they want very simple controls. So when we would do a workshop in person, we would bring out video game consoles, uh, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, Xbox. They all work for this. Um, yeah. And we would have four people on a team. And what we want is them to be comfortable that they can control the game. It's like move a stick, push a button. That's not what is hard. What is hard is working together, talking yeah. to each other. That's where the challenge lies. And the online, we had to actually make our own game because we couldn't find one that fit a corporate need. So we actually built a game that's in the cooking genre. And so you play a cook with three other cooks. Any cook can do any task. No cook can do every task. You will have to work together. And how you negotiate the working together is that's the magic. These games run in like two-and-a-half-minute rounds. It's like you can play within five minutes, and in five minutes you can learn more about yourself and your teammates in a team environment than five weeks at work because everybody's in the same space at the same time, synchronized, focusing on solving the same problem and communicating. And so the way the workshop works is that we would give you, give you a situation to get comfortable with, let you play, then come back and go, okay, what did you learn? How does this reflect on what you ordinarily do? And we get to do those rounds. You can play three or four rounds every hour. And so in an afternoon, you can get the equivalent of 15 projects worth of work done. Then it's made up work, so you didn't really do anything. But what you did was 15 rounds of practicing, working together, 
in learning how to communicate more effectively, how to create that safe environment where somebody can go, I need help. Like, I, I, I want to get better at how do I control my character. I want to get better at this particular task. And recognizing and looking out for each other. Like, one of the most powerful tools I've seen out of this whole thing when I work with groups is that manager that thinks, I'm part of the team. I work on the team. I'm like, great. Dive in and play. And at the end of the session, ask, how'd you do? Oh, I did great. How'd your team do? Oh, uh, I didn't really pay attention to them. <laughs> Welcome to the challenge of managing, you know, in 2022 and beyond is we don't have team. We're, we're so buried in the to-dos. Could you see everybody else? Could you see what they needed? Could you, you know, pay attention? So just practicing the challenge of focusing on your task work and lifting your head up to pay attention to everybody else around you and communicating most effectively when do you really get to practice that? How do you get good at that skill? Uh, a half-day session with this is game-changing for so many managers and gives them such a better understanding of how they can help facilitate and grow the people around them. And the same thing for their teams. You know, when you have peer-led teams of, you know, that are interdepartmental, um, it can be game-changing to understand, oh, what, like my number one goal at the end of any one of these things is the next time you send an email, pick up a phone, uh, or get on a chat with somebody, you recognize you're talking to a human being on the other end. And they have goals and aspirations just like you. And that level of communication is just game-changing for people. Uh, 100%. Do the games sort of have a life after the workshop's finished? Do the, do the, do the companies that you're working with, do they kind of... Uh, I don't know, ring fence some time to continually play these games so that they're continually exercising this particular muscle or, 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 or what? How does it work? Yeah, actually, um, what I found was kind of funny is that the one that we do online, like one of the things we do is we're like, we'll leave you with access to the game. It's always up. It's always available if you're uh, one of the virtual or hybrid teams. And I was talking to uh, one of the ones we did recently was really fun. It was a outsourced uh, – um, accounting company for construction, and their teams all over the world, right? So they had a huge bunch of people in the Philippines, but sales and support people in Europe and the United States, like every time zone. And so we had their entire company playing this game, and my friend goes, you know, we still log in and play that game. I'm like, great. That's awesome. I'm happy to still hear it because yeah. it was fun for them to connect, and it becomes this sort of like, like, like tennis or – uh, going and playing golf with friends. Like, hey, let's get together and play. Sure. Beautiful. That is a beautiful thing to me because you're experiencing, you're talking, you're communicating, you're rebuilding connections. So it's like my, my virtual golf game for teams because you can dial in from anywhere. If you could be on a Zoom call, you can do this. And what's been the reaction so far with it all, Scott? I mean, have organizations responded? Um, how have some perhaps of the cynical guys maybe turned around and, and got really into it? Have you got any sort of examples or stories you can share with us today? Yeah. I mean, we've had some of the bigger successes is we've done a lot of work with the Air National Guard. Uh, we did an amazing training up, uh, in person in uh, Portland, Oregon, and we had 90 officers. So these are not only officers in the Air Force, they're also, or the Air National Guard, they're also professionals and executives at their own companies. And so many of them are like, okay, I've got to bring this to my team. Mm. Um, we've had, uh, to be transparent, we've had frustration on the other side where, 
We've had managers absolutely want to do it, and some of the challenges with IT departments uh, where companies have locked down. You can't play any games at all. We're like, well, that's <laughs> yeah. a shame because, you know, it's like we want to do this, but, you know, getting through those hoops can be a challenge. Um, but for the most part, what we've experienced is that this is so – I know we're early. It's so new, this concept of let's bring people together and play. Um, the biggest challenge is that we've got managers that want to do it, executives that see the value is getting their people to actually take a break and make time to form a connection with other people around them. Um, and that's one of the things we're working through is helping the staff realize that this has an enormous value for them personally, um, that, you know, that pressure to, I've got to always be working, always be working. It's like, well, sometimes you have to take a break and sharpen the saw. And the teams that have done it have really appreciated that value because now they see on the other side of the equation um, a closeness, a support, um, you know, it, everything doesn't feel like such a fight and such a burden to reach out to somebody and have them to, to talk to them. It's just easier to communicate with people. And I that's think it's, I think, It makes everything go easier. Yeah, I think it's absolute genius. I mean, I, I, I cannot think of a day if I don't commute on the tube or a train and you see people in their own little isolated world playing with their phone. You know, why not bring it to a wider audience and why not do the co-op thing? And I think... Um, as you mentioned at the start, the generational shift that's going on now, this is, this, this is what people do in their spare time. Yeah. Fun. And if you can apply it to something at, at work, um, well, it, it all just feels a lot more natural. It, it feels probably less force, uh, forced rather than, than perhaps some people might think it is. You know, ooh, playing games at work, what, what are you talking about? Well, I, pretty much most people play some sort of game if it's not, I don't know if it's not some sort of puzzle solver or, or Sudoku. It's you know some other sort of stuff that's going on on, on the phone. Um, why not bring it into the workplace and, and have some fun with it? Oh. Is is what you do well, in terms of workshops? Is it all US based, Scott, or do you, do you travel around the world doing this sort of stuff? I mean, how, how's that work? Oh, okay. So um, I definitely do travel. Um, and the, the, the virtual and remote one's pretty easy because it's like wherever you yeah. are, we just set it up and we go. And it's really affordable because for like less than it would cost you to fly two people almost anywhere, um, put them in a hotel and go through all that, you can basically engage your entire team. Um, yeah. But we also do um, the in-person workshops. Um, they're a little bit more involved. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a, 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 a tour through um, – uh, Central and South America um, coming up this spring. And I would certainly love to come to Europe. That would be an absolute hoot. Um, because really what we're getting down to is we're immersing people and getting them to re-engage and reconnect on a very personal level around something fun and entertaining. And I just love doing that work. Um, because I just you, when you see the light bulbs go off in people's eyes and they begin to realize how much more effective they can be, but also how much happier they can be doing this kind of work. Um, it's, it's really enjoyable. And, you know, that's kind of the, the thing is like, you reach out to me, contact me, scottnovis.com, hello at scottnovis.com. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, and if you go to my website at scottnovis.com, there's a whole thing on the workshops. Um, but yeah, shoot me a line at hello at scottnovis.com. Um, like my friend Jose did, 
um, from Costa Rica, and we'll work to put together a shop that works for you. It's obviously way more cost-effective if I don't have to go anywhere. But um, <laughs> if you want me to show up in person uh, and work that, I'm happy to do it. I, I do love to travel, and I love speaking in front of groups. I'm a certified public speaker through the Global Speaker Academy. And before we run out of time, Scott, what's, what's next on the horizon? What, what, what have you got cooking? You know, um, I'm working on a book um, to try to, you know, teach other people how to do this. Uh, I think this is so important that um, with the right tools and, and background and training, I think a lot of people could do this on their own if they just were aware of it. Um, so I guess on the way I want to go out to transform how we think about play at work and how we can use the best technology we've ever come up with to make your life at work more rewarding and enjoyable. Mate, well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's a fascinating topic. I think you, you sound like you're way ahead of the curve. Um, and just unfortunately, that's all the time we've, we've got today. Um, <laughs> listen, everybody, don't forget to visit engagesuccess.org to check out the show notes and all of the fab free engagement resources. And don't forget, you can also download or stream any of the great shows from the archive at your complete leisure. Scott, personally and for everybody else, thanks so much uh, for sharing your thoughts and experiences and advice with us today, mate. Oh, you're welcome. That was a ton of fun. Really great to speak to you, my friend, and uh, best of luck with it all. Uh, I look forward to seeing more about it. Okay, everyone, we will be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.